This is the official HITS training and consulting podcast. We are America's law enforcement canine training resource. We're raising the training bar for police dogs everywhere by discussing the intricate details of the training techniques used by the experts. HITS radio is merging the training world with the real world. You've been there. We've been there too. Welcome to HITS radio. I'm your host, uh, Jeff Meyer. Today I have Jay Nix. Uh, we had Jay uh, with us uh, a couple shows back. He was talking about um, some of the work he's doing with the nonprofit. But I brought Jay on today to talk uh, about heat stress. So uh, how are you doing today, Jay? Good, brother. How are you? I'm doing well. If uh, you don't mind, uh, give our listeners uh, some of your background. You've been a cop for quite a while, and I know you train a lot of dogs down there in Florida. But uh, if you can kind of tell us a little bit about your background, where you work, and uh, how long you've been doing some of this stuff. Yeah, of course. Uh, so my name is Jay Nix. Uh, I work for the Marion County Sheriff's Office in Florida. I'm the head trainer of our canine unit. I've been a cop for here about 20, 21 years. Been a canine handler for almost 18. I've been the head unit, head trainer of our unit for the last five. Um, but I've been training dogs on and off, you know, be, you know police dogs, military dogs, sport dogs, uh, pet dogs, things like that sure. for a long time. Um you know, we, like I said, we're in Florida. Um, we have a very uh, proactive agency. We have a, you know, uh, we're, we're still that conservative mindset, you know, go out, you know, kick butt, yeah. take name, you know, get after a type agency. How many teams um, do you guys have? Uh, we have nine. Okay. We have nine, nine patrol teams. And then we have a team that's in our narcotics unit. Okay. Uh, I started out uh, in 2002 as a patrol canine handler. as my, my first dog. Uh, spent some time on the on the street doing that. Was actually pulled off the road and sent to our drug task force, working a dog back there, kind of our street level team. Uh, worked a dog back in there. Ended up transitioning to a uh, Hida division, where it was like a DEA task force along with HSI and a couple other agencies. Worked a dog in there. Uh, did some uh, you know interdiction work in there with partial interdiction, you know, long term investigation stuff. Uh, and I worked that for you know several years, then ended up getting pulled from there and was put on the highway, uh, working in highway interdiction team, actually ran like a four-man team, uh, and uh, myself added to that where we, you know, we're basically I-75 runs right through the slot to the middle of our county. And so we worked that, you know, chasing that criminal element, you know, using sure. our interstate to facilitate their activity. Uh, then I ended up uh, transferring back to patrol canine division where that's when I took over as the head trainer position. And that's what I've been doing pretty much ever since. And you handle a dog now too. And you're yes. Besides yeah. being a trainer. So, yep. I work a, uh, I work a regular shift. Um, and then, and then I have the training responsibilities. Sounds like a, a busy, a busy assignment, but a good yes, one. Yes, we Def- are extremely busy agency. Uh, we have a, you know, a group of guys that are, you know, go getters, um, they, they, they put in the work, they get out there and they get after it. And, uh, and it shows, you know, they, nice. we, this, the agency a few years back, uh, kind of took on this social media thing that a lot of these agencies were doing. And uh, the agency, the canine unit has been able to get a lot of, um, basically following, basically yeah. uh, showing their hard work. They've been able to get yeah. the credit and show that their hard work's out there. And so we've gotten a lot of recognition from, you know, these guys doing what they've always done, but it's, you know, getting out there yeah. on the forefront where people can see it. And so we have a great reputation of a great unit. We have a lot of support from our admin. I'm sure it's all about it. Yeah. So, so that's like a, a Marion, Marion County canine Facebook page, I assume, or something. Well, it's, it's our, our normal sheriff's office Facebook page, but they're big on promoting the oh, dog pr- stuff yeah. just because people yeah. love it. 
Excellent. Um, so, Excellent. but yeah, the guys get out there and put a lot of hard work in and, you know, on the training side and then they get out there and it shows in their performance in the streets. Yeah. So Jay's uh, pretty active too on social media. There's a couple of, there's a Facebook group uh, for law enforcement canine training that uh, I see you on a lot, Jay. And, and um, I, 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 a lot of times don't uh, post a lot of their stuff on, on myself. I just, but I do really like to read and see what people are, are saying on there. And um, about a, I don't know, two, three weeks ago, Jay posted a nice um, whole post, you know, just talking about heat exhaustion and what to look for and everything. So I, I asked Jay to come on today to talk about it. And I'll tell you real quick, Jay, my my experience with, you know, I, I ran patrol dogs right now. I run uh, two different uh, floppy or, you know, uh, Labradors that, you know, we've got to watch for their heat too, but it's not quite the same as a patrol dog. But on my second patrol dog, after I, you know, as a trainer, I preached about heat exhaustion, you know, here in Colorado, it's not as big of a, a problem because we don't have the humidity but we do get some hot days in the middle of summer and i you know i knew what i was looking for i was watching for it all the time and uh one time on an afternoon i usually worked at nights but we got called out on a day shift deal and in the middle of the yard i had a really really high drive malinois and in the middle of the yard he laid down in the shade and it was just not like him obviously at all yeah and when i called him once or twice he was a little bit lethargic and at first, you know, I was so wrapped up. It was a high high risk search. We had, you know, a lot of stuff going on. I was so wrapped up. I was like, hey, get back to work. And then as I took him to the next yard, all of a sudden it was like, ding, I know what's going on here. Right. And luckily I caught it right away. But um, what I, even though I had preached it and told everybody to look for it and everything, I hadn't seen any real signs with him until he laid down. Then he was like a little slow to even react to my commands and slow to even, like he kind of was a bit glassy-eyed. What um, scared me even more about the whole situation was how damn fast it came on. I mean, he was right. he was good in one yard. And I think, you know, a lot of times the, the higher drive dogs will mask any problems they have. We've all seen the dogs that cut their pad on, and you don't even know it until the end of a search or something because they don't want to stop. So it, it uh, even though I was already watching for it and I was, pretty well versed in, in heat exhaustion. Um, I was almost one of the, you know, handlers who put my dog past the point where, where they should go. Sure. You know? So luckily, um, you know, we, we had talked about it and I told my cover officer, go get my car. It was about a block and a half away. Um, I don't know if some of the people, the, the green, green people would like it, but on those hot days, you know, we, even with the dog not in the car, we left our cars running. So my car was freezing cold inside it and I got him inside it. Started, you know, he came back right away. I didn't even have to really put any uh, water on him or anything. But it was a it was a definite wake up call for me. So in your post, you know, you kind of talk about that. So I'd just like to kind of give you the microphone for a little bit and just kind of explain how you got to to writing this post, what your experiences were, and and share some of it. And we'll we'll kind of go over some of that. Yeah, of course. Um, so the post I initially that post that I put out there it's, it's kind of lengthy, but that started as an email that I sent to my guys. And that email was derived from an experience that we dealt with a few years ago. Uh, one of our younger handlers had a dog been on the street for probably about a year and a half. They were a go getting, just you know, get after a team. Um, and we, I was actually helping another handler train his dog. And this, we were, so we were, off, we were working, but we were off the road. We were working on uh, getting his dog ready. Yeah. And, um, the handler that was that I'm talking about, he shows up just to come train with us. It was his shift day. He was working day shift. Sure. We we have 
nine dogs, nine dog teams uh, that work. We, we try to have 24-hour coverage, and then we have one guy that floats back and forth to kind of help with guys off and things like sure. that. But, um, so we, our sheriff wants 24-hour coverage. So at any point in time, there's a dog out. So it was the middle of the day, probably, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon. Um, it wasn't a super hot day here in Florida. It was like 76 degrees. It was actually really nice out. Uh, of course, here there's always humidity. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter what time of the year it is. It's, it's, uh, but it wasn't a bad day, and we were doing a track uh, where it was mostly shaded because it was mostly woods through a residential community. And what it was was it wasn't like out in the forest, but it yeah. was uh, a, a wooded area that that was it's a residential community kind of surrounded by woods. And we were doing the track, uh, and this these woods surrounding we were basically skirting the backyards of all these houses. Well, we had we had uh, recently had a rash of home burglaries and car burglaries during the day while people were at work. So what we were doing was we were setting this up, this training track, as a scenario based on experience that we had just recently had where two guys were breaking into homes and they were running through the backyards, breaking into the next home, and they were kind of moving their way through sure. it. So what we had done was myself and another handler uh, was acting as the decoys, and we set this up as a way to – uh, you know, simulate this specific type of call and he was going to do the track. So we tracked and it was probably about an 800 yard track. So it wasn't crazy long. Yeah. Um, we let it sit for about 15 minutes and the handler got his dog out and he, he was communicating by text. said, okay, you know, we're getting ready to start. Said, All right, no problem. So me and the, the other handler were the decoy. We were kind of sitting underneath this, you know, shade tree actually on this big stump. And we were just kind of talking and about, Five minutes in, I get a text message uh, from the handler saying, hey, you know, the dog's acting a little funny. Call me. So I pick up my phone and I call him. I'm like, hey, what's up? And he's like, man, he said the dog acts like he's like he's you know, he's struggling a little bit. He's yeah. uh, he seems extremely tired all of a sudden. I'm like, all right, we'll put him in a down, let him, you know, cool off, yeah. catch his breath. And it's something we practice a lot, you know, getting the dogs uh, to, you know, on and off track. So I so put him in a down, let him relax a minute, give him, you know, a few minutes and then. And then get him back going and, you know, let me know how it goes. So I hang the phone up. A few minutes goes by and he's like, man, he's, he acts like he wants a track, but he's like almost kind of, you know, a little bit wobbly. I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird. And he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't understand. He said, um, he said, he's just, he's, he's, he's almost like he's trying to, you know, track with his nose down, but then his rear end is almost kind of dragging like he's real wobbly. I'm like, well, something's definitely wrong. Yeah. I said, let's, let's get him off the track. I said, where are you at? He was trying to explain to me where we were, and I was going to go get one of the vehicles and uh, take it around to where he was and get the dog to the vet. So I'm thinking maybe he's ingested something. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking along that line. Yeah. Because it was it was not a hot day, so I wasn't super concerned about you know heat stress yeah. at that point. So me and the handler that were the other decoy, we take off, we jog back to the starting point. We get a vehicle, and by the time I get back to the point, he's like, "Man, he calls me back. He's panicking. He's like, look, dude, the dog is pretty much almost unconscious. Like he's com- almost." He's panting, yeah. but he he's not doing well. Like he's completely limp. He says, this, "I've scooped and, him up." And again, and this is only five minutes into the track, right? No, we're at this point maybe fifteen minutes okay. into the situation. Okay. But not I mean, long. it's very early on. Yeah, yeah we're not talking a forty-five minute hunt. Yeah. We're talking fifteen minutes in. Something's wrong. Yeah. So we we I'm like, all right. He says, I, "I've I've popped out of the wood. I'm by this business. It gives me an intersection. So we drive. We have to go around this neighborhood to get to where he's at. By the time I get there, he's carrying the dog." Uh, away from this building and he looks like a limp noodle like that yeah. it's, it's a pretty good sized shepherd and he's completely draped over his arms so we were in a truck at the time so we threw the dog in the bed of the truck 
and uh, me and the other handler, me and the, the handler of the dog jumped in the bed of the truck, and we, uh, I told that the guy driving, I said, just take us straight to the closest vet. I don't care if it's our yeah. vet or not. Just yeah. But, um, so at that point, I could tell the dog was hot, but I, it, it seemed to me like there's no way this dog is over yeah. this fast. Like it's not hot out today. So we get there and uh, we would go to the closest vet. We run in, carry the dog in. They immediately throw him on the table, and um, you know they check his temperature, and it was like 107. It was something yeah. crazy. It's 108, something yeah. like that. And it was climbing. Um, so they start giving treatment. We get this dog from there. We get the dog to our. We, they tran- we get him stable, and we transfer him to our. Uh, university vet just north of about 35 minutes and uh, he's not doing well at all. I mean, yeah. it's bad. So long story short on that, it ends up, we end up spending 10 days in intensive care at the university hospital with his dog. Uh, he pulls through, but not without a lot of damage. We end up having some severe kidney damage. Um, so his organs paid a price for sure. it and he was off work for about two months until he started leveling off and things, you know, getting back to normal and recovering. And at that point, the, the vet had told us, like, based on the damage that he's had to his organs, he's probably going to overheat again really fast the next time. So we made yeah. the determination to go ahead and retire the dog. Well, it was a it was a devastating blow to the handler because this dog was in his prime. I mean, he sure. they had just really started jiving. So it was a pretty heavy hit to this handler in, the, in our unit. Um, so which in turn made me think, like, what did we do wrong? Yeah. Where did we go wrong? What did I miss? What do we need to put more emphasis on? Um, and it was a pretty, uh, you know, educational experience sure. throughout the whole thing based on what we saw that vets were doing when we first got there in the dog the initial emergency situation. And then we saw the care and we learned a lot, you know, staying in that yeah. you know, 10 days. Pretty much we had a, a deputy with that dog 24 hours a day, seven days a week for those 10 days. A handler was with them yeah. all the time. And the vet was office was great about it, the emergency vets. But we learned a lot. So at the conclusion of that, I thought to myself, okay, what could we have done differently? Because now we've lost this dog. You know, we spent, yeah. you know, 10 grand buying a dog and yeah. training and all this money before this dog. And we've got a year and a half worth of work at him. And now, you know, we're back to square one. Yeah. So let me jump in here. I got a request question. When I'm sure, you know, in those 10 days, they ran a lot of tests. Did they find anything that, you know, anything that shows that the dog was like genetically predisposed to having this happen. Nothing. To him. So he was a, absolutely nothing. He was a healthy, Otherwise completely dog. healthy dog. They did okay. everything under the sun. Yeah, that's a great question. They did tons of blood work, testing, all these things, trying to explain away anything besides uh, just heat. Yeah. And uh, the doctor, you know, we had, like I said, we were at the university hospital. So it wasn't like we were at some vet where it was just, you know, one, one vet saying this is what it was. Yeah. We This is a teaching hospital and they had, you know, yeah. some, you know, yeah. wonderful vets from, they come from all over the world there to teach. And, um, they, they, every one of them, and he, he was kind of a experimental case for them. They had sure. a lot of vets doing research on him and things like that while we were there. But ultimately they just, it just boiled down to, uh, they said he, he just overheated. And because we didn't recognize the early signs yeah. of those things, um, that it just got worse and worse and to the point where. Um, you know, we had to get him to the vet. And yeah. the problem is there was a lot of things that we could have done if we had a little better education on yeah. what those signs and symptoms were and then how to treat them in the field and then how to, to respond, getting them the ultimate care that they need. Yeah. Um, and if we would have known that stuff, there's no doubt in my mind we could have saved this dog's career. But ultimately, it was a huge learning process yeah. for us. So because we took a heavy hit, again, as a trainer, I took that as a pretty serious you know deal to try, try to come up with 
you know, what to prevent yeah. this from happening in the future, sure. you know, and obviously the, the best way to deal with it is prevention. And then that comes from educating these guys on you know, how to recognize these things and not just recognize it once it starts happening, but how to recognize these things when you come to shift that one. Okay. Today is going to be a hot day. The humidity is yeah. maxed out, yeah. you know, uh, you know, there's no cloud coverage. So, you know, every deployment is different. You know that and I know that. So how to get this ready, making sure that, you know, we're doing a lot of preventative stuff. So that email was created uh, directly to my guys the year before as a response to what I had learned um, because of this incident. And we turned it into a training situation. Uh, I sent it to them an email so they'd have it as a reference. But we also spent some time going over and talking about it, practicing these things and uh, putting it into play. Because anytime you go in and you change the dynamics of a deployment, right? You yeah. have to prepare for that. Exactly. So not just the heat side of it, but if I start recognizing uh, that my dog's having a struggle and I'm on a hot track, you know, I, that doesn't mean we just throw in the towel and we don't, we give up yeah. on the bad guys. So we yeah. wanted to practice all these things in the training. And I think that's what's super important is, you know, um, we were able to put those things into play in our training that able to allow us to continue to be super successful on deployments. And what yeah. I mean by that is if I have to stop and push the pause button to get my dog cooled off, I don't want to throw in the towel and the bad guy get away yeah. just because my dog got hot. Well, I'll, so throw we in here. I'll throw in here that that should go into, you know, I, I hope most agencies are really now seeing the value of doing stressful decision-making scenarios. And that's just one more, one more way where as, as in the scenario, you could just start, even though the dog's not doing it, start describing, here's what your dog's doing right now. How are you going to handle it? And put that Absolutely. And it's, and it's decision-making processes and like that, that not only decisions for the dog's health, but their deployment itself. Exactly. Um, and I'll give, I'll give an example of that from what I had learned after doing this training and the way we had put it into action um, in the, you know, the real world on a real world deployment. So I had a, we had a car chase or a guy crashed at an intersection, got out, uh, was armed, took off running. We don't, we, at the time we didn't know what had happened prior to uh, deployment where, Car, car chase, crash, intersection guy gets out armed, takes off running. Obviously, the, the, the deputy did not chase yeah. the guy because he might have been armed. So I get there, put the dog on the ground. We start tracking. We have a great perimeter. We've got helicopter. We're on, a, we're on a pretty lengthy track. It's a super hot day. Uh, this is playing in my mind because I know it's hot. Yeah. You know, um, we used to not wear bulletproof vests because all we have was those old school, you know, bulky, you know yeah. what I'm talking about, so at that point in time, I just had a harness on the dog, but it was a, you know, a Ray Allen harness, pretty good, you know, one of those yeah. street tactical harnesses. So it's a little bit bigger and it holds, it's got some padding. So it holds some heat. So I'm aware of it as we're going, I can tell the dog's getting hot, but we're moving, we're tracking it all. I start noticing that he's starting to slow down. And so at that point I made the decision to stop preemptively. Okay. I know the dog's getting tired. I know the dog's getting hot. He's yeah. still on odor. But I was happened to be in a section uh, of these woods where I could see a church nearby. So I, I, I took an item off my vest. I dropped it in the dirt, and I exited the track. And I got the dog over to the church. I took his harness off of him, uh, turned this big water spigot on. And in the post, matter of fact, you see this yeah. that, that picture that you see is from that track. Okay. So I, I doused the ground. I laid the dog down in the, in the, in the water, and then I just let the water run over top of him. And at that point in time, I realized that I had made the right choice because the dog was so hot and so overheated that he wasn't even drinking. And I think it's important for guys to know that when your dog's super overheated, he won't drink. He yeah. won't want to drink. And, it, and it, you should not be trying to force him 
to drink. There's other ways that we need to cool their bodies down. And that was a situation. The water was pouring by his face and he would not drink. He was just so busy panting, trying to cool his own body down that he wouldn't drink. And I knew at that point that I made the right choice. So I let the dog lay there and I just doused him in this water. And it was well water. So of course it's very cool. It's, it's underneath his stomach. I'm thinking about, you know, his pads of his feet and all these places that are very vascular. Yeah. And if you think about it from that standpoint, that's what we want to cool off first. Uh, not necessarily, you know, there are people that will tell you that's that fix. Well, you don't need just running water over their backs because they're cold. That's where they cool off. That's true. But ultimately getting with dog water on the dog is the best way to do it. You'll hear people say, you know, we don't put ice water on them because, you know, it could throw them into shock. Well, you know, your dog's going into heat exhaustion. Yeah. You got to do something. Possibly heat stroke. Shock is the least of my concerns at this point. So, um, but ultimately I'm thinking about those vascular areas. So the stomach, you know, the feet, the ears, all these are very vascular areas. That's where we want. We want to cool that blood down. So I was able to put this water on this dog and just douse him. And I spent about 10 minutes just hosing the dog and really getting him cooled off. And then all of a sudden, I seen a demeanor change within him where he started licking the water and drinking the yeah. water. And next thing you know, he's, you can see it's coming back and he's drinking the water. Now he's up and he's now he's went from drinking it to like playing where he likes to bite at the water. So I knew at that point we were good. So, um, I hooked the dog back up. I did not put his harness back on him. I flat collared the dog with my long line. And I think that's important to push a pause button there and say, if you're used to tracking with a harness, and your dog gets super overheated like that. The last thing you want to do is trap that heat back on exactly. his body, that put the back on it. So I, I made the choice to put the dog back on a flat collar and get him back to that spot. And I say that from a training standpoint, you need to be tracking yeah. on a flat collar so that, you know, I'm not saying you flat, try a flat collar all the time, but if you're on a harness and you've got to switch to a flat, is your dog going to be okay with it? You know, so many guys are so dogs are collar sensitive because of corrections. Yeah, that they can't track on a flat yeah. collar because every tension, and they'll go right into, you know, the dog yeah. shutting down on. So, um, you know, we do a lot of that. Where I'll track along, we'll be going along, and I'll take the harness off, flick to his flat collar. I'll do tracks where I'm doing completely on the flat collar. But I want my dog to know that he can work, and no matter what gear he's wearing. Good but point. I made the, the choice to leave the the harness behind, put him on a flat collar, took him right back to the article that I put down, and I mean, the dog put his nose right back down, picked him right back up, and. uh I, I told everybody on the perimeter, I communicated to them, look, the dog's getting hot, we're getting off perimeter, you guys hold what you got, the helicopter kept circling, which helped keep the guy laid down. Yeah. Uh, we tracked another 150, 200 yards, and finally the guy and actually got a bite out of it. Uh, and the, when the guy got there, you know, the guy was uncooperative, the dog was sent, he had all yeah. of his energy, he had everything he needed in the gas tank, yep. uh, we had recharged his batteries enough where he could deal with that fight, and we were able to get the guy in custody. Once it was over, uh, I got the dog immediately back to my truck. I carry a towel in my truck ever since that incident where I took the towel, hosed it down, I laid it on the mat in my truck. The truck's cold, it's AC. Uh, I laid that wet towel on the mat in the truck and laid the dog in there and put him down on top of that wet towel. And again, it's keeping that nice, cold, yeah. wet moisture from underneath his stomach where and the pads of his feet where he's super vascular. And within, you know, 10 minutes of being back and getting this guy in custody, I go check on the dog and he's standing up, you know, doing yeah. his normal behaviors. But I contributed a lot of that success in that moment based on our failures in the previous deployment and what we had learned. Sure. Um, some of the things that we changed is how much water we carry with us. So our guys, we try to keep a minimum, a minimum of four gallons of water in our truck. 
not including, you know, putting water in the fresh water in the bowl every day when you start work, but that minimum of four gallons, because it's not about four gallons of drinking water for the dog, but it could be that you don't have a water hose nearby. You don't have a water source and you need some water to get on your dog's stomach, on his ears, on his feet, on his, you know, those places that are those vasculars and you may not have a location where you can get to it. Um, so we keep a minimum of four gallons of water in our truck. Um, keep a towel so that you can douse that water, put it in your cold AC car. You know, the, the, that yeah. water, that towel stays hot and it's underneath them. You should never drape a, a wet towel over top of the dog because again, that, that traps the insulated. But if you're laid on your floor, soaking wet, the air conditioner from your car will keep that tower cold. And that, that allows the dog to heat to escape the dog's body while cooling from underneath. Um, so that towel is super important. We also carry bottles of alcohol, uh, alcohol pouring. Uh, one of the very first things that the veterinarian did when we got to the vet that day, the first that we went to, not the emergency yeah. vet at the university, but they put the dog on the table and they immediately got a hose and started wetting his belly. But the vet techs were taking bottles of alcohol and pouring it on the pads of his feet. So that uh, alcohol, obviously, as soon as it touches your skin, it feels very cold yeah. and it helped cool the dog down dramatically really fast. Um, I will say it's important to pay attention and monitor the dog's temperature because you don't want to cool the dog from Ooh. hypothermia to hyperthermia. Yeah, yeah. So you have to pay attention to that stuff and make sure that um, you know you're not overcooling the dog. Sure. But you know, be aware. Uh, some of the great things we do is keeping that thermometer in the truck and 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 getting your dog's resting temperature, getting your dog's temperature during bite work, getting your yeah. dog's temperature during tracking, so that you can have that baseline knowledge and keeping track of that for your dog because every dog's got a different uh working temperature yeah. and there's an average temperature for most dogs but then you get a dog that's you know high strong maybe his temperature is a little higher than others things like that and you know that's um, a good point so, i want to jump in that you know if you're listening to this yeah, you're a handler and you're listening to this right now and you've never taken your dog's temperature well shame on you you should be yeah, going straight to walgreens right now and getting a, a thermometer and and some uh, ky or something so you have them together and and practice yep. taking your dog's temperature because that not only in this situation, you know, you if your dog's acting a little funny, the first thing I always do is take his temperature. Does he have an infection? Absolutely. Was he bit? That temperature is going to give you a lot of information. And I and I know from talking to a lot of handlers um, that they've never ever done it. So absolutely, and so that's something we keep in our kit. I have I have a little tube of petroleum jelly with the the right next to the thermometer, and that's something that we do. But that, again. You know, and, and uh, you know, is that something that you're practicing with your dog? Is that something your dog is comfortable with? You know what I mean? Making sure yeah. that that's something that you're adding to your, you know, your general, you know, regimen. Uh, but knowing that baseline, you know, what your dog is at when he's resting, what your dog is at when he's heated okay. up and he's working by your worker and he's retracting. So that gives you an opportunity so that when you start seeing something like that out in the field, you know, you can pop that yeah. thermometer in there and go, okay, well, look, we're above what we normally are. We're doing this stuff. So something's not right. Yep. You know, just old school thought process. When you were young, you know, you told your mom you're not feeling good. What was one of, one of the first things that she did? Struck your temperature, you yep. know? Um, so it's, it's, it's a great way for us to monitor, you know, this telltale signs of something that's going on. But uh, keeping that bottle of alcohol in the car, we actually got some little miniature little squirt bottles, uh, little small, like, uh, you know, almost like an eyeglass clean air squirt yeah. bottle. And we, we'd fill them full of alcohol and give them to the guys because if they were out in the field, that's something they could keep in their vest pocket. And they get out there and get yeah. hot. They could squirt that on the dog's paws as they're trying to get them cooled off. But, you know, ultimately in the heat of the moment, you got to do whatever you got to do to yep. make it work, you know? So 
Um, I've heard people say, oh, you don't want ice water. Well, I can promise you this. If there's nothing, if I don't have anything available but ice water, I'm going to use it. Yeah. You know, don't completely submerge your dog. Well, if the only thing I've got is somebody's backyard pool, then I'm going to jump their fence and I'm going to toss my dog in the pool. Yep. Um, ultimately, those are things, a pond, you know, a, a stream, a river, a lake, whatever you've got available. The name of the game in that moment is getting the dog cooled off because the quicker we can get them cooled off within reason so that we don't overcool them, or cool them down too fast for shock. But ultimately, if we don't get them cool, what we saw in that dog very early on was organs starting to shut down. Your body goes into self-preservation mode and things start shutting down. And so ideally, if we can have a lot of this just, you know, knuckle dragger, common sense, knowledge that we can have and things that we can think about for the field um, in those heat of the moment, you know, stressed situations, then we're going to do what we got to do to make it work. Ultimately, there's going to be vet techs and vets. Yeah. Maybe this podcast. And, oh, well, you're not supposed to do this. You're not just supposed to, you know, oh, we, we don't, we don't do this anymore. We don't teach that. Yeah. You're right. In a perfect world, we don't do these things, but rarely ever do you and I go out and deploy our dogs in a perfect world. And I think that's a, gr- a great point. In high yeah. situations, a lot of times we're having to make decisions yeah. based on the best we have with what we got at the moment. Yep. And, and I- that's why, you know, like if you got to jump a fence and jump in somebody's pool in the backyard, you know, then that's what you got to do. Yep. You know, I'm all the time, you know, we're tracking, we're out searching, hunting. You know, I just roll up to somebody's house, kick on their water hose and, and I start cooling the dog down. So what I do now is I really try to stay hyper-focused to that, those behavior changes. And, um, you know, so then I'll find a house with a shady house. I'll hit their side yard and I'll get their water hose and I'll preemptively spend two or three minutes using the water hose underneath the dog on his stomach and yeah. his feet. I'll put the, I'll wet the ground almost to a puddle standpoint. I'll put the dog in a down and then I'll start rubbing, you know, running water over the whole body. Give them a minute, give them a little bit of water and get up and you'll just see the dog will completely yeah. re-energize and you'll get right back to work. Yep. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, you can still go out there and catch your bad guys. If you just take a few minutes to get over there, cool your dog off and get right back to work. And if you practice this in your mm-hmm. training, you will not have any problem getting your dog recovered and get back out there and find the bag. But if you don't practice this, and if you don't have these things in your tool belt, then what's going to happen is you're going to not recognize it. And you're not going to realize that you're going to get to the point of no return. And you're going to have to abandon that situation to enter a new emergency. And that's yeah. getting your dog to help and hope and pray that you can get him help and yeah. so that you can recover to get back to work the next day. So taking this full circle, now you've got some experience. I know you've probably talked to some vet techs and I think your point's really valid. Um, I'm not discounting what a vet or a vet would say about what we're talking about. I mean, they have really good knowledge, but uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, I think what, what works in a vet hospital is not real world, you know, for us. So I, I like your idea of, of do what you got to do. And, and if you're listening to this, uh, go talk to your vet too. I mean, get, get their Absolutely. opinion and, and see what they say about any of this and, and figure out what works best for you in your area, wherever you're listening to it. But but knowing what you know now and what you've been through and how you've changed things, going back to the beginning story with the the first dog, uh, when when he first called you and said the dog's acting weird, how would you change things from the moving forward? So in that moment, looking back, um, obviously I, one of the first things that would come to my mind would have been overheating versus you know other things, yeah. and I would have told him, you know, like hey, hey, let's stop, let's get the dog off the track, let's get him to a water source, let's try to get him cooled down, let's get him recovered, and then we'll go back to the track. Yeah. And I mean, we, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with going back to the track, especially in that training situation where we want to be able to do that in the real world. So it would have been, instead of telling the guy, Hey, just put him in a down, let him cool off for a minute, 
you know, we help him go. I would have, yeah. I would have got him to out of those woods into a water source. Um, we could get that dog cooled off, you know, mark that spot and let's get back there and we'll finish up the track. And I think if we would have done that, that's exactly what would have happened that yeah. day. Uh, we would have got him off the track. We would have cooled the dog off. We would have put him back on the track and he would have finished successfully. Not a doubt in my mind. Yeah. And then that, the whole outcome from there forward would have, would have changed. So it, of course, again, I mean, like I said in my own personal story, it surprised me how fast it comes on when you, it comes on super fast. And that's why I think it's super important for guys to understand your specific dog's normal behavior. But when you see a dog that's super high drive and loves to hunt, all of a sudden that demeanor changes from, I'm, I'm, I'm itching to find this guy to like, okay, you know, it's the same with us. You know, we hit that point where all of a sudden we just kind of like, Ooh, man, I don't feel good all of a sudden. It's the same thing with a dog, but the dog can't verbalize that. So we have to be able to recognize those behaviors and pushing that pause button. And that's why it's important for us to put this into action in training so that we can practice recognizing that immediately get the dog to some water source, see that behavior change when they do cool off. And then realize when you can get back to work and then monitor that throughout. Um, and then if you're aware of that, you'll become much more aware of your surroundings of what's available to you while you're deploying. And it should be something that should be on your mind. If you're a canine handler that's, that's right now working during the day shift and even some, here in Florida, man, it gets brutally hot even at nighttime. Yeah. Um, and I know there's a lot of other states, you know, across the country that are the same way, depending on where they're at, whether it's dry heat or you know, humid heat. Yeah. These guys that have to deal with this humid heat, it's it's a different ballgame. Oh yeah. And it can and I think really I believe with that humidity is what creates it to come on even faster. Yeah. So get out there, you know, put put this plan into action, start paying attention to your dog, get a baseline of what your dog's temperature should be. Carry that thermometer with you. Pay attention to that stuff. Make sure you have the necessary things in your car. Um, that even you can call a perimeter guy and say, Hey, go get my car, bring it to me, bring this to me, you know, exactly where it's all at. Having that plan to put into action is what's going to make you successful and prevent your dog from not only having this injury and this stress, but also could, what could be life ending. Uh, but like you said, go talk to your vet. You'd be surprised at how many vets office would love to put on just a real simple training, uh, for your canine unit, uh, free of charge. Absolutely. Get your guys to come out there or the vet will come to your training day. And spend an hour, you spend 30 minutes, an hour talking about yep. heat exhaustion and heat stress and what the difference between heat exhaustion versus a heat stroke are yep. and how to see those things coming on. Um, because this is definitely the category where if we pay attention to the signs and symptoms, we can prevent it. And, and I'd much rather work on preventing it than I would exactly. you know, on remedying it afterwards. Because once that happens, and I'm telling you, when I say this was a brutal deal we went through with this dog and you know, those of you that are listening yeah. that have been through something like that and what the dog physiologically goes through, it's 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 awful. Oh yeah. Uh, to watch yeah. what this dog had to, to endure during this time, even after he was, you know, cooled off, yeah. his internal organs did and uh the, the sloughing and the things that just went on, it was insane. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. No, so the dog made a full recovery, yeah. but ultimately it cost him his career because yeah. his body was never gonna be able to take the beating yeah. that, that was gonna get that we see in normal patrol dogs. I'll throw one in one other idea that you and I haven't really talked about, but see what you think of it. But I, I think you probably won't think it's a terrible idea. Here we don't deal. I mean, we deal with heat in the summer a little bit, not to the degree you do, but in the winter we get some brutally cold perimeters. Uh, and I could think of early in my my canine career, there was times where I literally could not squeeze the the uh, 
uh, uh, the switch to my streamlight anymore because my hands were so damn cold, let alone right. thinking about having to actually shoot somebody if we found them, you know, and, and trying to hold the leash still or, or not, you know, most of our searches are done off leash, but if you had to maybe put your dog on a leash for a minute. Um, but I remember sometimes being so damn cold that, um, I wasn't functioning. The dogs did pretty good on it. There was a few times where yeah, every once in a while we dogs would start high stepping because their feet got so cold, which, um, when we saw that, um, sometimes I was actually kind of happy, like, okay, my dog needs a break so we can go to the car. Cause I never right. wanted to be, I never <laughs> wanted to be the guy we would do multiple teams doing a, a yard to yard search in a systematic area. So I never, no, none of us would ever be that guy who said, Hey, I'm so damn cold. I need to sit in my car for a minute. So what we would end up doing is, you know, trying to work through it. And it was not a safe way of doing it. At some point, the light kind of went on to me that um, when we would be setting up, maybe if we had a two by two block perimeter, we'd be giving everybody their AORs. And I would say, when we get to the next street, we're going to sit in our cars for 15 minutes and let the dogs Absolutely. heat up. And we, so I'd say for the dogs, you know, so none of us felt like, you know, the wimp that wouldn't do it, but nobody ever complained about it. And nobody ever, you know, said, no, I don't want to sit in my car. I want to go keep going or whatever. So it might be something that you could actually add in there, you know, that when, yeah, at, of course, at, but- at the 20 minute mark, if we can, we'll have one of the perimeter officers, we'll throw him in the back seat of the car and, and let the dog cool down for a little bit, you know? Yeah. And we've done that, and that's why you know why we all know we can't catch them if we can't find them. We can't find them if we can't get them to lay down. And the perimeter is so important. Yeah. And just communicating with those perimeters, saying, "Hey guys, you know the dog's a little hot. I'm gonna push the pause button. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep this yep. guy laid down, and then uh, we'll get back on it." You know, rotating dogs. We've done that yep. before, and we practice that as well. Uh, but I think that's an important task to practice in your training, regardless, because. Um, you know, one of the things that we do, we, you know, we don't ever have, the odds are never stacked in our favor. They're always stacked against yep. us. And, you know, there's something that, you know, there's a greatly beneficial from uh, a training standpoint with tracking and, you know, a, a track layer go out, you know, he gets picked up in a vehicle. We take him another 150 yards and we drop him back off. Well, that scent is not carried on. Yeah. Um, so you have to hit that spot where you search. So you do that anyway, you yeah. know, we should be practicing that stuff. So taking that break, you know, I, I will practice mine where I will track to a certain point And then, you know, like say that 10, 15, 20 minute mark, whatever, and then stop, put the dog in a down and make the dog just lay there. Yeah. Even though he wants to go make him lay there for 10, 15 minutes or whatever, five minutes, and then, you know, get back up and get the dog back on it yeah. again. So practicing that uh, is, is super valuable, but if Great we point. don't, put it into our training, um, then when, when things go sideways, uh, we're not going to operate that way. Yeah, exactly. We have to get out there and train the way we want to operate. And we have to train these, you know, mock scenario, emergency scenarios the same way we would if it were to happen and trainers that are listening, you need to be challenging your guys to do that exact same thing, you know, uh, set, set your training up that day. So, okay. You know, today we're going to work on tracking, but what we're going to do is halfway through the track, I'm going to make you stop. I'm going to make you put your dog off the track for 10 minutes in a down position. And then I'm going to make you reacquire the track. Um, But getting the dog off track, you know, setting the track up, we're halfway through it. There's a water hose available where you can stop, spend five minutes wetting the dog and then get you back on track. Yep. Because it also builds that confidence in the dog. It builds your confidence as a handler, as a team that just because you are, and, and that's, I think that's one of the dangerous things. And I think when we see these dogs that have you know, these news clips or these articles or whatever, where a dog has died over heat exhaustion, we had several last year. We've had a couple this year already. Um, and that's what prompted me to repost this, this post that I put on 
yeah. uh, the page not too long ago and on my personal page was because we had one here locally die on a track. Yeah. Um, and well, he didn't die on the track, but by the time they got him to that's yeah. office, it was too late. He had already, everything well, early in the year for that already. So, um, but again, you know, they weren't prepared for it yeah. and because they weren't prepared for it, they failed. And if we don't prepare, then we're going to fail. So, you know, having that practice and there will also build your confidence as a team. And I, like what I was getting ready to say was, I think sometimes when these, these situations where we have seen the dogs have died in the real world because of they overheated is because they're so focused on catching the bad guy that they don't want to stop. Even when they know maybe it's a little hot, maybe the dog's a little yeah. tired, but, we're, but we could be, you know, right around the corner from catching this guy. Well, build your confidence and build your endurance level and what your dog is capable of by putting that into yeah. your tracking. You know, prove to yourself and your dog that we can stop, take a break, cool off and get right back on it and find our guy. Uh, that's why it's important to exactly. communicate and talk to your perimeters. And we do a lot of you know, talking about perimeters in our briefings. We tell the guys like, look, you know, we can go out here and practice and we can be the have the best tracking dog on the planet. But the bottom line is if you can't contain them, we can't catch them. And yeah. if you can keep them contained, I promise you, if you can get them to lay down, we will yeah. find them, no doubt. So, you know, get out there and preach your breach and teach your, your containments and uh, talk about perimeters. And then, you know, then practice this, practice the, yeah. the pauses, practice these, you know, healthy pauses where we can get the dog cooled down and show your dog that, you know, you're there to help them, um, get them cooled down, get them back on the track and go catch your bad guy. Very good point. Very good point. Well, I appreciate you jumping on here. If it's okay, uh, I have all your text here. If uh, people want a copy of some of your your points here, if it's all right, I'll uh, send it out to them. If yeah, of course. Them. Of course. So if, if you're listening to this and you want uh, just some really good bullet point text that uh, Jay put together, just shoot me an email to jeff at hitsk9.com. Or I'm sorry, hitsk9.net. Jeff at hitsk9.net. And I will uh, be happy to forward over uh, You know, just a really good really good ideas um the for sure i thought about the you know the rubbing alcohol but uh don't have it in my car as we speak i do not have it but by tomorrow i will so mm-hmm. you know uh, hopefully a lot of people are going to take some valuable points out of this and uh, uh make everybody a little bit safer so i appreciate you taking the time today yeah, um, of course one final thought about heat stress is check your damn heat alarms you know we, we absolutely get these, we get these fancy heat alarms and then uh i I don't know if everybody checks them every week, but I sure hope they do. So don't. don't One of the things that. that we do is we we test them every training day. That's part of our routine. Perfect. Training day, everybody. Perfect. You know, we have the Ace Canine system that it gives you the testing yep. opportunity. Uh, reminds you on there if you look at your screen, it says test your system yeah. weekly. Uh, we do it on training days. We go out there and hit the test button on everybody's car, even our spare cars, and we make sure everything's functioning yep. properly. And there's been many times where we've got out there and we've found failures or issues yeah. or. You know, that's a man-made item, and if it's man-made, it's going to screw up eventually. Yeah. So and uh, I'll you, throw you, one you, you want to find yeah. those failures in training and not just yep. like anything else. You want yep. to find the failures in training, not in the real world. Yep, I have the ACE uh, that goes to my phone, too. It works great. Yep, and I, the I hit the, Yep, I hit the uh, test also on it, but then also uh, pretty regularly I uh, get the dogs out of the car. Maybe when I get home from work, put the car in the driveway, roll the windows up, and turn the heater on high. and uh, Absolutely. Start taking care of my dogs while I'm in the house and then just wait my phone starts going off just to make sure yep. everything's working good and knock on Absolutely. wood it always does but i'm not gonna not gonna count it on does it. and that watchdog system is is, is coming handy multiple times not just for heat for me i always get i've had i've had two incidences where i've gotten notifications from that about my voltage and my amperage being yeah. low on my battery and you know and i've been go to the garage and no no indicator come out of my car and i'll go to our 
our fleet division and say, hey, look, this happened on my phone. And sure enough, batteries yeah. are going bad. Um, so it's definitely, that's a great system to have. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, Canines United, when we buy uh, a handle or heat alarm, we automatically buy the watchdog system yeah, to go with it's, it. It's been, I've, I, I recommend it. It's been a really good product uh, of course. That, that we've used too. So, well, thanks, Jay. Um, if if people haven't heard, unfortunately, uh, Hits 2020 is now moved to yeah. July of yeah, 2021. Yeah, we're pretty disappointed about that. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. But but you know the world is the world, and uh, it was getting hard to kind of figure out exactly uh, how Hits 2020 would work out with, uh, you know, what they're going to do with this uh, pandemic. I'll use that word. <laughs> I, I don't know if I agree yeah. on it, but but it was hard no, to I figure agree. out everything that was going to go on. So. Uh, now hits is going to be in 2021 in July. Same hotel, same everything. We just I was rolled say, it still out. in Scottsdale, right? We, yep. we just rolled it Very over. Good. So check our hits page, hitsk9.net for the information. As always, you can email me for any questions or if you have uh, feedback on this show, email me at uh, jeff at hitsk9.net. And again, I'll I'll be happy to to forward the text to this. Uh, yeah, and email. if anybody's got any questions or if they want to reach out to me specifically and get some more information on our specific stuff and what we do and how we deploy um you can you can reach out to me uh, you know give me my phone number it's 352-497-1738 you can find me on facebook at just j nix j-y-n-i-x and then on instagram it's kilo k-i-l-o 2479 but they can reach out to me okay. message me whatever and uh, i'll be more than happy to share with them what we do and how we operate maybe give them some tips and no way to be able to help that and i'll put that in the show notes too so thanks again awesome. jay i appreciate you taking the time and, yeah, absolutely uh, jeff anytime i always enjoy it thank you looking very much. forward to our talk next time see you buddy take care if you're looking to make an investment in your canine career come the hits 2021 there's no substitute for the real thing whether you're a new handler who's looking to learn more about dog training or an experienced trainer who's looking for new training ideas and techniques, come to HITS 2021 where the investment is well worth the return. HITS 2021 will have more classes and more vendors who give away more free raffles and gifts and free cash than ever before. HITS is the world's largest canine seminar and is open to police officers and military members. Our experience makes the difference. You've been there, and we've been there too.